So great. Thank you everyone for joining the club today where we are hosting the panel discussion on liquid staking, which seems to be all the craze going on right now. Everyone is super excited about staking in the first place here in the cosmos, but liquid staking, of course, being able to move around staked assets. So we felt the need for bringing you guys together, basically, because uh, a lot of people are maybe sometimes confused or debating what is the you know, why do we need so many different liquid staking protocols and all these different questions that we just felt like that should be answered in a panel like this. So uh, thank you so much, guys, for being generous with your time and welcome to the club. Um, so let's just kick things off basically by uh, having going in a circle, around a circle, uh, just introducing where you can introduce yourself and uh, the liquid staking protocol solution that you are proposing and what you believe is sort of unique in your approach. And I guess uh, because you were first uh, Vish uh, from uh, Quicksilver, I will uh, pass on the mic to you first. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, hey guys, so I'm Vish. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Quicksilver. I mainly do things like business development strategy, product, things like that. Uh, I have a background in economics. I was a research analyst at Chorus One, which uh, was doing a lot of liquid uh, research on liquid staking at the time, which I was a part of. Uh, we briefly worked on like Lido for Solana. Uh, so yeah, like seeing all those models, we were definitely like, uh, me personally, I was very into Cosmos. I was also doing a lot of the Cosmos governance voting stuff for Chorus One. So uh, definitely like super into Cosmos and wanted to build a liquid staking solution there. But it didn't really make sense, right? There was no interchain accounts. There was no osmosis back then. Uh, so all of that uh, a proper liquid staking solution in Cosmos didn't really make sense. You know, P-Stake was out there hustling, you know, with their with their liquid staking solution back then. Uh, so yeah, so that's sort of the background on like how we got into liquid staking and sort of why we dis decided to build Quicksilver. Uh, I guess if you, uh, just to talk about like the approach of Quicksilver, what might be unique about it. I think uh, like from the very beginning, like Quicksilver, we were always very conscious of like the validator delegator dynamics in Cosmos. And this is where like our whole right, signaling intent and, and governance web proxy sort of focus came in. Uh, so when we designed the protocol, we were super conscious to have like a completely open validator set to see how we can make that work. Uh, and, you know, to figure out like a system of intents where the user could set an intent as to which validator they'd like the protocol to delegate to, and the protocol would try its best to allocate the stake according to the delegator's wishes, right? So you have the sovereignty over voting power distribution with the token holders. Uh, and obviously an extension of this would be governance, right? How do we then ensure that queue asset holders can participate in governance? So we think like these are some of the things that are critical to like the economic structures of Cosmos and like a lot of our design philosophy has like focused around how can we enable this and how can we, how can liquid staking not impact the sort of economic and maybe even political interdependencies that exist in Cosmos. So that was sort of the approach we jumped in with. Beautiful. And I'll ask the same question for you, Vishal, because you were second to join in today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so, uh, I'm, I'm Vishal, I'm at Stride. 
uh, before uh, doing liquid staking in Cosmos, I was uh, working on stable coins on Ethereum uh, back in 2018. Um, and then afterwards, I uh, uh, started like a, a small hedge fund for a little bit and then uh, was like a, in DeFi for a, 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 a while. Um, but then uh, a couple years ago, started getting much more into DeFi. Uh, my co-founders, uh, Aiden Riley and I, were all living together over COVID. We had like a little quarantine house. And so we're doing a bunch of stuff in ETH and Soul and originally, um, and then started learning about Cosmos and got really kind of enamored with it. Um, this is particularly around the time when like ETH gas fees were like skyrocketing and Solana was uh, crashing on time and kind of unusable. And we were really, really bonded to Cosmos. So we started running some valid infrastructure, um, doing some small projects in Cosmos and got uh, pretty uh, uh, infatuated by the ecosystem, but we're kind of uh, uh, surprised there wasn't more DeFi. And a big part of what we thought that that was occurring is that the yields are so high in this and app chain ecosystems. And so it's really hard for DeFi to compete with it. Uh, but like Vish said, it was really hard to make a solution at the time, um, given that, you know, IBC was still pretty young and there wasn't a uh, IBC V3 or any of these other fancy things. Um, but then last year with the advent of IBC V3, we were like, oh, this is such a huge value unlock. They can use so many cool things here. Uh, and so we decided to uh, you know, stop all of our side projects and do this, uh, you know, given it, it's such a really cool piece of tech and such a really exciting opportunity. That's a little bit of how I got in stride. And then uh, in terms of, uh, what, what Stride is, maybe how it differs from all the liquid staking providers. So first off, I think everyone up here has a really great product and they all occupy slightly different niches, but uh, everyone has done a you know, really amazing job building. I, I think uh, if you think about Stride, there are two things we want to communicate. One is uh, we are extremely minimal app chain. We don't do anything liquid staking. Our goal is to do one thing and do it very well. And so uh, we're not a DeFi hub. We're not trying to build out other sorts of DeFi. Our entire focus is just around building... Uh, as great of a liquid staking solution as we can. And the second thing uh, really focused about, uh, focused on is security. Uh, it's pretty much like over half our dev time is just how can we think about initial security features. Uh, we've gotten three audits as well as uh, continuous auditing from informal systems. Uh, we have a host of kind of security features on chain and we're always thinking about how we can make our application more secure. This is down to the economic layer of how we uh, do certain decisions like delegations, for example, all the way up to uh, like how does actual code run? How can we make code paths more secure? So yeah, two things about Stride. We're, well, we do one thing, we do it well, and we're very secure. Awesome. And before passing on the mic to uh, to Mikhil from Persistence uh, P-Stake, um, I want to ask you, Vigal, uh, what initially caught your attention about Cosmos? I think we all have a story there, but uh, interesting to hear uh, your story coming from Ethereum and, and Solana during COVID. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so really, so uh, when I first got into crypto, it was uh, originally just kind of like I was, I was kind of interested in, uh, I was back in college, I was interested in like decentralization, uh, but also just like the, the kind of freedom it offers. Like as a college student, who's, I feel like you're very locked in in what you can access. And I mean, it's true of anyone, what you can do in financial system. And uh, that was like the first got me into crypto. But then when I started uh, playing around ETH and Soul more, there's all sorts of things I think were kind of restrictive, like ETH, just the gas fees. I remember there was one day I wanted to do something, and it was like, I think the board 8-mint was going on the same day, or like some board 8-mint, and it was just like, the whole chain was unusable. Like gas fees were like 50 bucks a transaction or something. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was like, they had some Metaverse Mint or something, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a board 8 guy, uh, but I was just like, man, it's really bad UX, I can't go use the stuff I want, because some other application is having their launch today. Um, and then we're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, and then Soul was supposed to solve these problems, you know, it was a much faster ecosystem, so we're looking into that. And that was a little bit better, but it, it, everything is uh, much more closed source, there's much less collaboration, which to me kind of 
cut against the grain of kind of why I went to crypto in the first place. Uh, but then also, this is around when Sol was having all these outages, and then I was really starting to like kind of question the narrative that you're going to have one really highly scalable app chain. Um, and as I was doing more dev, I was like, oh, this is really just not the way that people design other systems. Like, if you look at, look at like how Google or just how the web is done, it's not like we have one huge server that Amazon has like one tenth of that server, Google has some, like Facebook has another. It's like, no, everyone has their own systems, their own uh, operating systems, uh, their, their own servers, et cetera. And that really pushed me in the direction of app chains. And then the, the last thing they really pushed me over the edge is that I was looking at the, um, the gas costs that different big applications were using, uh, were paying to their L1s. So things like DYDX is a good example. And just the amount of kind of squirreling these applications have to do to not pay too much rent was so high. Uh, and they can't really optimize their stack. And so that's when I was like, oh, app chains are really the future. Then, then I started uh, evolved app chain systems and Cosmos is by far the best. Start looking in the space, developing, running validators, et cetera. And that's kind of how I fell down the rabbit hole. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Bikil, same question for you. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Mikhil. I lead Beastake uh, at Persistence. So I, I joined Persistence in 2019 as uh, one of the earliest guys. And uh, it was quite interesting to look at the Cosmos ecosystem because Persistence's focus was to look into the Cosmos ecosystem in 2019. Not much happening, to be honest, in the Cosmos ecosystem back then. A lot of projects were just trying to work their way around just building sovereign chains, not having interoperability because IBC was way further down the line. There was, you know, uh, I think it went live in 2021. So uh, nobody was thinking about IBC at that stage. Obviously, people knew that this is going to come in into the picture at some point in time. Uh, and yeah, people were excited about that. I was quite excited about that, but yeah, it was nowhere to be seen. But particularly, we were, you know, uh, to be very honest, we were working on something entirely different before we started working on liquid staking. Uh, we were just trying to see what, what could be done. Uh, but once we had an idea that we have, have to build liquid staking, it was super clear in, in our heads as to why we want to do this. So it's actually quite funny because... Uh, we were just looking at, at the XPRT token launch, uh, but prior to that, we wanted to have some hype created around the token, have a, a solid distribution of, of the token. And from that perspective, you know, I think Safi had this idea about uh, simply doing a stake, stake drop. Uh, and we kind of thought of that as, as a great tool to distribute our token. So we started doing the stake drop. But while we were distributing the tokens to stakers of Atom and, and other assets, we realized that, okay, the, the demand is, is quite huge, specifically because, uh, you know, I think it was during the DeFi summer and everybody was generating insane yields, like like Vishal mentioned on you know, Ethereum and other chains. And it, it was just crazy. And Cosmos, like POS yields were barely anything. I think on staking Atom, you were getting 9% or something at that time. So people were very excited to generate additional yield on their already staked assets. So that's how we started thinking about, okay, what if we build a product around that? And then we saw, you know, the whole research around around liquid staking. I think all the you know team members from from Persistence uh, were a part of the liquid staking working group that Chorus One was leading at the time. Uh, but we didn't quite like think about how important that could be up until we did the stake drop. And again, this was pre IBC, so we couldn't do much about b- building like a stake atom within the Cosmos ecosystem. It wouldn't have made much sense either at that time. So we decided to do something radical and build SDK Atom on, on Ethereum. Obviously, that's a long story and we've talked a lot about it. But we learned quite a few things from that. And 
uh now we are trying to you know make sure that we bring those learnings to to the new product that we've built uh which went live on the persistence chain this month itself so uh, i think from our perspective uh, our, our goal is very simple uh we see the problems the problems are not, not again there are 10 problems that liquid staking may create as well uh which i think we should all be cognizant of and i i guess everyone on this uh, space is is thinking about those problems and looking to solve those problems uh so Uh, the problem that we wanted to solve was again the problem of liquidity the problem of you know n- not having enough capital efficiency and what makes us unique is the fact that we are built on persistence so while we stake similar to to a certain extent like you know uh, stride or quicksilver is focused so we stake within persistence is focused solely on liquid staking that's our goal but persistence is also building other things with other teams working with other teams uh, on on its chain which is the defi ecosystem and i think that is, is super exciting because those dapps that will be built on the persistence chain are like purely focused on on liquid state assets as you know if if it's a boring lending protocol the the asset that you use as collateral is a yield generating asset uh, or or a liquid state derivative the uh, if it's a dex it's purely focused on having asset pools which uh, pairs which are you know either yield generating asset or, or a stable coin or yield generating asset native asset so mitigating impermanent loss and those kinds of things so while we build everything on the p stake side and i think the road map for again you know while everyone focuses a lot on uh, how each liquid staking protocol might differ in the future i think it's going to look very similar uh, what's under the hood might look different but you know from a users perspective it's going to look very similar but what is going to be important is how much utility you can offer through that asset and and how you can you know how how easy it is to do things with that asset and and how easy it is to use a product so that's kind of what we are focused on user experience uh, making sure that you have utility solid utility you provide the best user experience even when you're using the, the other applications while pstick remains neutral in its stance that yeah pstick all the lsds that are issued by pstick can flow into other ecosystems as well but persistence ecosystem if it offers the best products for lsds then why not right so that's kind of how we think about this right on and just a quick follow up also to you mikhil uh, having a experience with ethereum and the ethereum ecosystem i myself uh, i'm used to be an ethereum guy and built a bunch of stuff in in ethereum like many other people i'm sure uh, on this space but what has your experience been uh, between uh, building and working on the ethereum protocol ethereum ecosystem versus the cosmos ecosystem I'm curious to hear i think there's uh, obviously uh, there's not much difference when it comes to building obviously when you're building in cosmos you have a lot more eyes looking at your product and lot more you know uh, real time feedback than in ethereum especially if you're not big enough in ethereum nobody really cares about you and uh, again i think uh, cosmos <laughs> developer experience was not the best actually up until very recently when when it's starting to get better and better uh so from a developer's perspective i think it's still much much easier to build on other chains than cosmos but if you can see the value prop in cosmos you would obviously know why you should be building here uh but again from our perspective we we've, we've always been cosmos maxis it's not exactly cosmos maxis i'd call I, i'd say interoperability maxis and we just understand why this this future makes more sense and to a certain extent you see other chains might be moving in a similar direction as well uh, although in today's context it may not look like that but if you just take a step back you might see that okay you know maybe other chains are going to to move in this direction as well 
so it's just the whole idea about building on cosmos is what brought us here although uh, yeah it's not that uh, the user experience is really bad in ethereum so you can't expect to onboard a lot of users in ethereum unless you do a lot of like you know stuff around your tokenomics and and those things which which really uh, is is not sustainable from a long term perspective yeah i think that's a general denominator for all of us like the the user experience on ethereum we've all experienced uh, one, if not multiple, bad experiences. Uh, if we hit a bad day when there was a big in the team end or whatever, the network was not down, but it was not functioning properly at least. So uh, yeah, that's definitely a catalyst for moving on to something else like like Cosmos. But then, uh, yeah, stay easy. Uh, you are also with us. And uh, same question for you. Um, yeah, basically introduce yourself and, uh, and what uh, makes uh, Stay Easy unique. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so hi guys, I'm Udit from Stakeasy. And I've been working in Cosmos for around like two years now. Before that, I was in a trading firm doing some C++ infrastructure. And yeah, we st uh, I started with Secret Network because like my co-founder introduced Secret Network to me because it was a privacy chain and they were doing something different. So then we went to start uh, doing the dev tooling for Cosmosm. So we were already familiar with how hard it work on Ethereum. So you have these tools that make it much simpler to build contracts. So we started understanding what the pain points were. And in the process, we started to understand okay, how contracts are built. So we had the idea that we saw that, okay, there's DeFi starting in Cosmos, but one of the barriers is that uh, most of the assets that are already staked with uh, validators won't be used in DeFi. So there must be a way to unlock that. So we saw that, okay, Liquistine can do that. And Lido was a very good example for that. So we started building that out. We first deployed on Secret Network back in March 21. And then we changed the model a bit and we redeployed that on Juno around August 21. And since then, we have now been focusing on how we can utilize IBC further into this thing. So we'll soon have uh, staked assets uh, other than Juno that will be basically minted on Juno chain. Will utilize the IBC controller thing. Beautiful. And I guess um, a new question for all of you, but I'll start with uh, with you, Stake Easy, because you were the last one for the first question. Where do you see liquid staking heading in 2023 and beyond, in Cosmos and beyond? So obviously, you guys are building liquid staking protocols and solutions in Cosmos. But where do you see this heading, basically? I guess Ethereum is, is an interesting place to look uh, right now with Lido, you know, at least a lot of liquid staking assets being very concentrated between Lido as a clear leader and then Rocket Pool, who is this sort of newcomer uh, challenging the incumbent. But where do you, do you see that happening costs as well? Uh, or do you see something else? What do you think, Stake Easy? I think one of the main uh, DeFi opportunities is the CDP thing. So you have, wherever like you uh, lock your collateral for a certain time, there comes the opportunity to utilize that locked asset into a liquid staking. So CDP things, I think there's a lot of stable coins coming in Cosmos that will soon utilize this. And yeah, other than that, I think DEXs do have that, but like DEXs does act as uh, this feature where you, where you can have instant withdrawal of your liquid asset. But the main utility comes where like you can have the additional yield. So I think things like options 
would also be a good choice where like you mint out an option as an insurance so it could be that you have certain items you might want to like insure a certain price that you bought at so you can lock your maybe stake datum and then issue a caller i'm not really sure about whether it's a caller report but you can mint that out and say that okay uh, i'll pay a certain premium for example 10% of my asset to mint out this option for let's say a few months and if that uh, asset is locked for instance you can have 20% yield for 6 months you'll get the 10% back if it's a liquid staked asset so essentially you're getting that insurance for free and you are able to like uh, keep that atom if if the price moves the other way around also so i think cdp and options would be the two main utilities in the near future awesome same question for you mikhil uh yeah i think especially in cosmos uh, i believe the focus uh, you know i i think liquid staking is majorly going to focus on on decentralization and governance related issues because i, I think cosmos is much more you know uh, governance heavy than than any other ecosystem and and i doubt anybody would would say otherwise because you know a lot of anything that goes on on for voting on, on the cosmos hub it's just going to create issues <laughs> we we know that very well a lot of discussions a lot of arguments so that's a good thing uh, although you know i think uh, what we have kind of been thinking and again uh, you know i may be completely wrong here but what i believe is uh, we do give a lot of uh, you know uh, we discuss a lot about a uh, user based uh, dele- uh, voting right like if you're delegating assets you should still be able to uh, vote on proposals i think that's that's pretty important that's definitely important but at the same time what we need to realize is that in most cases as as a delegator you usually choose a validator that that you want to people just try to do that and they don't a lot of governance proposals unless and until they really care about that proposal um, so that's obviously that, that is where i am coming from where i don't think it's the biggest problem to be solved at this stage although i do believe that allowing people to choose their validators is super important uh, because that that is the first step in, in letting people have some say in, in governance and be like okay even if you're liquid staking your assets you need to uh you know you you the validator that you're choosing you are pretty aligned with that validator at least so that's i think that will be the biggest focus in the short term i think quicksilver is anyway solving that or has already solved that uh and you know at, at least when, when the product goes live on cosmos hub i know it will be a problem solved but it, it may create other problems as well but i think those are things that are not that critical but just from a, from you know where do we see liquid staking in 2023 i don't think it'll be the the year of traction especially with the macro that we have right now the markets that we see right now i don't think that will be the case but what i do believe is that each of these products will be in a very very mature state with all and you know these lsds would probably do everything that the native asset is doing i think that's the goal for every liquid staking provider to a certain extent uh, or or if i may speak for others but i i think that's what everyone is going to be working on uh so whether it's governance allowing for decentralization and uh not creating other uh, you know attack vectors on, on the on the chains that they support right on and you mentioned the uh, quicksilver so i guess it's natural to pass on the mic to yuvish yeah i think in terms of like liquid staking in cosmos 
I'm 2023. Uh, I actually, like, slightly diverging from Mikhail here, I actually think that we'll see substantial adoption, like, despite the macro, uh, simply because I think it's, like, the obvious next step for stakers, right? There's a massive... Uh, I was staking has always been, like, a massive pillar in Cosmos, and liquid staking offers that obvious alternative. Uh, and also, with like, the LSM coming out soon, right, which allows people to stake with liquid staking protocol, protocols without unstaking. I think that will have a huge effect, mm-hmm. like that mass migration of stake, you know, from stake position to liquid stake positions. And, you know, as like staking APRs are driven down by an increase in stake percentage, this will further incentivize more stake to come into liquid staking, right? Uh, so that that's like, I think what, what I, I think about stake adoption. And in terms of like how liquid staking might differ or like how, uh, you know, in Cosmos currently you have multiple providers and, you know, as you mentioned on, on Ethereum or, or even for Solana of that matter, there's like only one major provider, right? It's like it's Lido on Ethereum, Marinier and Solana. Uh, I actually think in Cosmos, we're going to see a very different dynamic uh, for two reasons. Firstly, there's many chains, right? On, on all of these other ecosystems, you have your one big staking asset and you know, when you concentrate liquidity and when you concentrate uh, DeFi into that one denomination, uh, it, it makes competition difficult, right? And that leads to centralization. But uh, in Cosmos, we slightly have a, we have like a different way of doing things. That like we have many other assets where uh, stake can be distributed amongst. So we we have a big bigger pie to capture all of us liquid staking protocols. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing also is that when the LSM comes through, a stake can be transferred from one liquid staking protocol to the other almost instantly, right? On other ecosystems, if I stake with liquid staking protocol A and I want to move to liquid staking protocol B, I have to unbond my asset or sell my asset, you know, take take the slippage. Uh, it's generally a sticky process. And that that creates sort of that one provider dynamic in Cosmos, we're not going to have that. A user can you know, theoretically move from Stride to Quicksilver to P-Stake, stake easy in one day. Uh, and that won't be much of a... Uh, and there'll be no friction in doing that, right? Uh, so I think that will also sort of define how liquid staking evolves in Cosmos. I think a lot of us liquid staking protocols will continue building features you know, alongside our sort of basic liquid staking offering, which all of us are going live with now. And that will sort of define how stake is distributed in Cosmos. But I definitely see like a space with multiple providers. Beautiful. And yeah, LSM is something that uh, I think everybody, many at least, is uh, looking forward to. But just a follow-up, Vish, do you um, do you see that changing anything in the, in the current way that we see liquid staking protocols like Will it be more capital efficient? Will sort of the the reward model that many liquid staking protocols run with change? Like, how how do you see that affect basically how liquid staking protocols develop with the with LSM? Yeah, I think one one interesting thing that I definitely think could happen is like sharing liquidity across multiple assets or multiple denominations of asset. Uh, think about it like this, right? Let's say I've collateralized. SD atom uh, and my loan gets liquidated, right? Uh, with the LSM there, you could theoretically liquidate that loan, not just with the SD atom atom pool. You could do it with the SDK atom atom pool, Q atom atom pool. You could go crazy, right? Because 
you can pull out the delegation share, send it to different liquid cycle protocols. So we could probably end up with a situation where all of us end up sharing liquidity. And, you know, I think, I think that brings out definitely a quite an interesting dynamic. And I think, you know, that's cause for collaboration between all the liquid staking protocols. Yeah, I agree. All right, Vishal, you are the last for this question. How liquid staking protocols will develop uh, in 2023 and beyond? Yeah, so, so everyone I think has given a really great answer so far. Uh, to totally agree. I think we're going to build lots of really exciting features. Uh, one that PSAC has is really cool, I think, is Instant Redemptions. Uh, I imagine there's going to be kind of more work done that front. Governance, obviously. A um, bunch of safety features. UX, I think, is across all the consigning providers is not great right now. And I think UX can be really improved this year. Like if someone came in who didn't really know uh, what liquid staking was, I think it's like very unclear to them what, what the product is, what the usefulness is. And I think we're, there's going to be a lot of work this year on um, educating the community on that. But I, I do think there's, there's probably the, the biggest opportunity for this year that I think hasn't really been explored yet is uh, liquid staking as an entry point for businesses. So right now, the, the way um, liquid staking is set up in Cosmos, is, it's very user-facing. So you have to be uh, like a, a human user um, to, to use liquid staking. But I imagine there's all sorts of use cases for um, applications or DAOs or institutions who have funds who want to liquid stake them or, or want to stake them but can't. So an example of this is like, a treasury swap. If you have like two DAOs that are doing a treasury swap, um, like there's no reason that shouldn't be liquid stake. If you have a business that's earning revenue like Mars, um, that revenue just sits somewhere until it's used by the, the DAO or the community. Uh, that should also be staked. Uh, if you have like people like uh, the Stars Pool uh, or the Stars Community Fund that has a big pot of Osmo from like when they launched, uh, that should be uh, staked. But for all these assets, you can't stake them because they're on a different chain. Like if I have Atmos on Osmosis, I can't go stake it. Uh, but there are all sorts of these businesses that are coming up in Cosmos. And the current uh, way people interact with liquid staking, I think, basically eliminates it uh, or makes it impossible for these types of institutions to liquid stake. I think we're going to see a, a, big, more pu- uh, a big push uh, in the upcoming year to basically try to make uh, all assets in Cosmos stake. Like, there's no reason you shouldn't have security from all assets, no matter where they are. Um, and right now, it's not possible, but I think we're going to see a lot of cool tech going that way. Fantastic. All right, so that's uh, about the opportunities with liquid staking protocols and liquid staking derivatives in the Cosmos and beyond. But what do you see as the risks? And I think, uh, Mikhil, you will be a good first person to answer that, being around for quite some time in both Cosmos and, and Ethereum. Yeah, uh, I think the question around risks is something we've been, uh, everyone here has, has been talking for a while now. So I think, obviously, the primary risk being uh, of the liquid staking provider itself getting exploited or, uh, or hacked. You know, there's, I, I think most recently we saw a very good example of uh, of how a liquid staking protocol might affect, you know, uh, the... Actually, you know, let me take an example. So uh, Anchor on BNB chain is, is probably a good example. So Anchor, uh, and the exploiter basically just minted 10 trillion A, B, and B, C tokens. Uh, which is the anchor equivalent of you know uh, LSD token, uh, anchors LSD token for BNB, and that was then used to just basically drain pools. But what's more exciting is you know you go one step beyond this, and something that Vish was just talking about, uh, which is using LSM to 
kind of aggregate liquidity across all all liquid staking providers which is uh, you know similar to uh, an idea that we've been talking about which is the redemption pool but the more you think about these the more risks they create so for example what what happened was anchor had a uh, a pool with on bombat you could just supply single sided liquidity but it was a shared pool so four assets bnb stk bnb abnb c and staders bnb now what happened is the attacker first basically just uh, dumped all the abnb c for bnb from the anchor pool then they used stk bnb they swapped it into stk bnb and got bnb back or just unstaked it they did the same with staders so the risks just keep on compounding with what you're doing on the defi side as well and obviously then you have a dpeg which may result in 10 other you know second order uh, issues such as collateral uh, getting liquidated all those problems come into play uh, i think something that not a lot of people are concerned with today at least in today's context is uh, governance taking over of of you know like of the hub or or any support uh, or any supported chain uh, by this lsd provider uh, i don't think uh it's it's going to happen overnight but you know there's a possibility that you know somebody may go rogue and and uh, you could basically just use the atom deposited onto your protocol to uh to just you know influence governance decisions on on the hub uh, or or any other supported chain uh, but again those are things that i don't think might happen anytime soon but you know it's it's a possibility uh but, and obviously the biggest problem i think with liquid staking is uh it's just that unless people are aware of of the risks uh, i think it it's not the most optimal solution for people to use because uh, again and this is me being i know i'm coming off as very negative here but I, i've been thinking a lot about this and and to me liquid staking is, is super, I, i think it's it's an obvious solution to most problems out there uh, but unless you resolve or, or mitigate those risks so some ideas you know like something with uh, something that happened with anchor for for instance where the attacker just minted 10 trillion in abnbc uh how could you mitigate an, a, a problem like that right so you could just have a system where any time somebody is depositing assets they can only deposit let's say 10% of the entire tvl and so the minting of the the you know the derivative is limited to 10% of of the tvl so that means you can only exploit up to 10% because every time you're going to fetch the underlying atom deposits to ensure that the the 10% rate can you know keep basically if you have 100k atom staked on on your protocol and uh, you know somebody comes in and tries to stake they can only get up they can they'll have to stake 10k and at an exchange rate of 1 is to 1 they'll get 10k st atom stk atom q atom whatever it is after that the protocol will basically check if there's another 10k atom staked so the tvl is 110k so you can mint another 10 you know another 10% of the 110 so you just have these dynamic limits and and all those things obviously there's there's other things that are being worked around on, on you know ibc rate limits all those things but at the same time i think the biggest risk is just the liquid staking provider getting exploited that is still the biggest risk definitely and as uh, more and more people start using liquid staking the problem will become bigger so uh, better be uh, safe than sorry that's also why <laughs> it's good to be pessimistic basically mikil i think it's uh, it's healthy actually but yeah same question for you stack easy yeah i think i totally agree with mikil that it's mostly where the centralization could happen is most risk so yeah i think one of the ways this could be mitigated i think in the long term could be 
uh, there could be some tools that, for instance, like there are tools being built very aggressively for DAOs now. So there could be tools in future which would like simulate risk management things for DeFi protocols. Like a lot of automatic checks would be done. So like you already have a base layer of checks for upcoming DeFi protocols. And I think there's uh, some work going on right now to have formal verifications for chains. And that further could be extended to uh, maybe like identifying a few key points in multiple DeFi protocols that are common and maybe things like uh, taking the historical data and test back testing on it to see if all the edge cases do match or if there's a extreme case, extreme volatility, what would happen with the protocol in that case. So yeah, I think those things would definitely help make it more secure and probably maybe uh, like aligning the pace of development with the security patches would be a nice thing. And I think Cosmos is doing pretty well in that case. Definitely. And same thing for you, uh, Vishal. Yeah, to, to, to totally agree with uh, what uh, both Sekizi and Vsek said. Uh, I, I think we, there is a lot of work we need to focus on when we're seeing protocols not being hacked. And the, for example, what Mikhail said about uh, having some sort of rate limit on your chain. So you can only have like 10% of assets leave the chain or revinted. Makes a lot of sense. I think we are going to see these sort of uh, systems be adopted. Um, as, as well as kind of, there's other kind of tick mechanisms you can put in chain that maybe check other variables. Uh, but another kind of source of uh, potential tension down the line is you, you could imagine uh, as more people start uh, using uh, liquid staking derivatives in their DeFi application, you might get some like embedded leverage in this. Uh, I think there is a lot of design around how we make sure that uh, lending protocols or stable coins or whatever it is. Um, don't get manipulated or hacked uh, as LCs become bigger. Like one, one simple example is, um, you know, if people are able to borrow against, uh, say, ST Atom, you want to make sure that the price of ST Atom can't be manipulated upward um, or, or downward because it'll lead liquidations or lots of bad debt. And I think liquid staking providers are in kind of a unique situation in that if you're borrowing against uh, ST Atom or, or, you know, P Atom or whatever it is, um, uh, the, uh, there's like some underlying exchange rate that you can convert these to. So I think there are lots of, there's lots of rooms for more interesting designs um, that, that are a little bit safer to consumer, but I think we're, we're just in the early stage of exploring this. And I know PSTAKE is actually doing a lot of this where they're, they're thinking of really specialized applications on, or persistence is doing this where they think specialized applications on their chain that can be used just for liquid staking. I think we'll see these adopted by more teams. We've been talking to kind of lending protocols and stable coins all throughout the space and People, I think, are, are super open and really receptive to sort of slightly different models that will prevent too much kind of excessive or embedded leverage. Um, like as a simple example, I think uh, 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 someone just launched on ETH like a 20x recursive staking solution you can use with like Lido or Rocket Pool. Um, and those kind of things, while really addictive because you get so much yield, I think lead to some embedded leverage that's really unhealthy. Um, and Cosmos, I don't think, is anywhere near that. And I don't think anyone's trying to design that. Um, but uh, I, I think we're, we're so early that there's a lot of room for us to design really great systems from the ground. How do you think, just a quick follow-up on that, how do you think we can avoid that, like excessive leverage and uh, yeah, all the things that we, we see in other ecosystems? Yeah, it, it's a great question. So, so one, uh, this is maybe a little bit unsatisfying, but it's just cultural, like you've got to understand as a community that, you know, getting 100% or 150% yield is, you're taking on some risk, like no one in the world is just giving you that yield for free. Um, and that's got to be like deep in education. I think around these products, if someone like uh, Umi or 
Mars or wherever is around learning protocols, they should have this sort of education built in. Um, so I think a lot of people, uh, like on Anchor, for example, saw this, like, oh, I deposited a stablecoin and a 20% yield. It's like a bank account. And I think we had to be, have more education around, oh, this is not actually the situation. But we can also do things kind of in the system itself that will mitigate this. So one example, I know Umi is doing this, and I think it's quite smart, is they have uh, smarter oracles. So you see this all, all throughout, I think, uh, traditional finance, too. You know, it used to have really bad types of liquidation uh, logic or oracles. Um, and over time, you know, over hundreds of years, people, they made them better. And now we have uh, kind of a more robust system in traditional finance. And I think uh, in DeFi, we're getting there, too. We're seeing smarter and smarter oracles. Like for a long time, we had oracles with the flavor of, hey, if the price is ever just uh, for one block, if it ever gets really high, I can just borrow against that. And I can take out these like flash loan type exploits. Um, already we're seeing oracles in, in uh, Cosmos like Umi's, which take like a rolling average. So it's like, okay, the price has to be high for 30 minutes or an hour. And that makes the types of these attacks way harder. And we're seeing more research type into how can we make the lending protocol itself kind of mitigate against attacks or prevent leverage. Um, but yeah, it, it's still very early. Right on. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a bit of an unfair question because it's such a big topic and I mean, if there was a perfect answer, we wouldn't see it in the first place. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think you did well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it is a real problem. And it is something we're really curious about. And I, I mean, it's, I think uh, it's a tail risk that no one likes talking about, but it's really important for the long-term health of Cosmos. Yeah, definitely. All right, Vish, last, uh, same question, uh, but you're the last one, but uh, yeah. I don't want to be unfair to you. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, many like great points raised. Um, like if I was to like simplify and summarize, I think like there's broadly like two sorts of risk when it comes down to this, right? Where the first type of risk is something that wrecks your liquid staking provider, you know, where there's an exploit or something, and uh, you know, sort of your assets are either compromised, the redemption is compromised, uh, something of that sort, right? Uh, and like the second sort of risk is like what uh, Vishal was talking about just now, which is like the economic element of it, right? Uh, this. So there's also, I guess, like a third, slightly distant, like governance style risk. I think that's still a bit down the line. I certainly hope and wouldn't expect to see some of those exploits coming in just yet. Uh, but yeah, so I think the like one of the great comforting factors of liquid staking, you know, as we were designing it early on, was that hey, if there is an exploit on your liquid staking chain. Uh, the attacker would still have to go through the unbonding period, right? So if anything, uh, if your chain was compromised, there's still that, which served as a comfort. But now that the LSM has come about, I think that is no longer a reality. Like I know there's some restrictions on LSM now, but you know it still, I think, makes it a lot easier for, uh, for exploits to happen. So uh, on this, that I definitely, you know, agree with like Mikhil's sort of solution of like, limiting stuff and even like the kind of rate limiting stuff stride has been talking about uh you know i think like for these very large transactions and use cases this it, it it's completely okay if we restrict it or limit it uh you know if there is a genuine use case you could adopt for it post fact so it's uh you know better to be safe than sorry um uh, so yeah that's definitely one element uh the second thing is probably also like uh it will depend on how like liquidity evolves and what sort of flash loan infrastructure there is. Uh, you know, like as a community, we should be aware that, you know, if like 60, 70% of your asset is liquid, uh, by liquid in the sense that it's, it's on the market, uh, it's probably not great, you know, for many different reasons. Uh, I know in the current 
current sort of dynamic we're chasing to get the maximum liquidity but uh, I, th- I think there's an upper bound to liquidity also right uh, so yeah i think that and like the amount you could be able to flash loan but i still think like both of these things are a bit further away still in cosmos and i think it's something that we'd see coming you know it wouldn't be like we wake up one day and somebody borrows 15% of atom as a flash loan right that's not going to happen overnight so i think it's as a community we should be aware and like sort of track the developments and, and you know have these conversations about security and liquid staking as we do hmm. I love the what you just said about uh, there's an upper bound to liquidity. I immediately thought about the Fed and Jerome Powell, <laughs> almost like a meme, like challenge accepted. <laughs> uh, if there's an upper bound to liquidity, <laughs> but yeah, I think with obviously tokens, there are of course tokens that have very high inflation, but in general, um, we there's transparency. We can see the supply and and all these things. So yeah. I think in crypto and DeFi, there is uh, definitely an upper bound. Uh, that's for sure. But speaking about risk and um, and security, we can't uh, get around the fact that interchain security is on the horizon. So um, I think, Vish, you are a good first person to ask this question. How does interchain security change, perhaps, uh, liquid staking in Cosmos and and in general, how 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 makes how how is uh, liquid staking different in Cosmos compared to other ecosystems because of interchain security? Yeah, I think uh, I guess to start off, like interchain security is definitely you know great for Atom. Uh, definitely very bullish on the concept. Uh, uh, for liquid staking providers, the obvious issue it bring, brings up is how do we deal with multi-denom rewards? Uh, for other assets, it's easy, right? All of us withdraw rewards at a given time, we restate them and we go about our business. But if you're getting rewards in like different denominations, maybe 10, 15 denominations, how do you deal with that? Uh, This is something we've been thinking about. Uh, I think our current solution in the code is it's just just distribute the rewards to quick stakers, but that's more of like a temporary thing. Uh, You know, just to just to sort of wait until we get a better solution. Uh, and the sort of solutions we're messing around with, one of them is like, okay, can we send it to like a DEX, swap it out and sort of bring your reward and like make it into Atom so it's still a single denomination. Uh, but I don't think that's a great idea because, well, what if many of these assets have, I mean, one, it's like bad price pressure on many of these assets, right? Uh, the second thing is what if they have low liquidity or no liquidity? Uh, where do we send them? And and like, how do we, how does this scale, right? What if there's 50 assets? Do we do like 50 swaps every epoch or something like that? Again, not very feasible. I think the solution we're thinking about is to like sort of give it back to the user. So in Quicksilver, we have this thing called uh, the claims module, right? Where every epoch, like the user can claim uh, participation rewards, which are like these rewards they get for uh, making choices on Quicksilver, right? So trying to hook it up with this system. So the ideal solution for us is that every epoch, which is three days on Quicksilver, uh, you get all of your ICS multi-denomination rewards into your wallet. So that's, I think, our, the solution we're most probably going forward with. Nice. And I guess same question for you, Vishal. How does interchain security change you guys' approach, Liquid Staking? 
Uh, yeah, great question. So, uh, yeah, I understand where Vish is coming from with the, uh, the UX is a bit weird for atom stakers if they receive like 10 or 15 different denoms, but, uh, uh, in our mind, uh, no, I, 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 I think this is a solvable UX problem, uh, and one that people on the hub kind of want, want to receive tokens different in only one denom. Uh, it's possible to just take them or just sort of swap, or uh, this, this feels um, well. This is definitely a meaningful problem, but one that as a community we can solve. The the one really uh, or the really big I think unlock for ICS is uh, I, I mean liquid staking. The, the hope is that it costs you a ton of assets. Uh, like it, you know, it unlocks so much value for users for protocols, etc. Uh, we want like a lot of uh, assets are, are called, all across the ecosystem to be liquid stake. Um, it makes CFI better. It makes everything kind of flourish a bit more. Like you can imagine lending markets and, and so on um, won't really function uh, efficiently without liquid staking because you're giving up just way too much yield to if I want to lend like Adam uh, or if I want to borrow Adam or lend Adam. I don't want to lose like 20% on that. Um, it's, it's, like, it's a really big loss. Um, given that, uh, I think there's a lot of uh, understandable worry around what is the economic security for liquid staking zones. You have a, a liquid staking zone that maybe is you know uh, backing a billion dollars of assets, um, but only has like a hundred or three million dollar market cap. Um, that, that that's a, a little bit of a sticky situation because you can easily imagine some sort of attack occurring on, on that zone. Um, but also, if you're like a the Cosmos Hub or your Osmosis or one of these other big big chains, I think you are maybe a, a little bit hesitant to give. Uh, control over a large amount of stake to um, maybe a slightly less uh, secure counterparty. And, and so in our minds, is, uh, using ICS as a liquid staking zone um, really does, uh, I think, help assuage a lot of uh, valid concerns that users do have. And it's kind of why we decided to really push for ICS and be one of the first ICS chains. Um, I'll obviously understand that the decision, I think, that differs for, for uh, different chains. There are definitely trade-offs. And like Vish said, there are definitely like negative UX benefits. Um, we think that the ultimate security you get uh, it, it's pretty large. But I do think the kind of terminal state for liquid staking is not ICS v1, but some sort of like ICS v3 slash mass security hybrid, whereas a liquid staking zone on board, say like 40 or 50 zones, you can rent security from each of those zones, um, kind of proportional to TVL, and you can construct kind of a mechanism that uh, really does optimize security. Uh, but that, you know, is, is kind of very theoretic and, and far down the line. But anyway, so sorry, this is a long answer, but I, I do think it's going to help... Uh, Increase the security and the confidence in LSDs. Definitely, yeah, and it is truly exciting. I think um, it's something that we can work around. To say um, we should have a solution at least. We always find a way. Well, there's a will, there's a way in Cosmos, always. <laughs> but yeah, uh, same question for you. Stay easy. How does interchange security change how you approach your liquid staking solution? I mean, uh, so I'm not very much familiar with interchange security, but the point that. Uh, item stakers will get other denominations. Uh, there, there are examples where that is already happening where, for instance, in Juno, uh, people can choose to pay the transaction fee in Atom also. So if uh, so, whatever the staking rewards are, they also include the transaction fees that have been paid. So the staking contract will also receive uh, Atom with Juno also. So I think that could be like uh, managed in two ways. Is one is uh, users can choose to directly co uh, convert all of those assets into one base asset. For example, I think in Osmosis, there might be, or like they are coming up with a solution where like you get the LP rewards and you can choose to convert all of them into Osmosis. I'm not really sure if that is being implemented or just being discussed, but that's one way to do it that you can, for instance, if you're staking item, 
you can choose once you are liquid stake that whatever amount i'm getting uh, just convert that to atom through a swap of your choosing and uh, auto compound that so two ways uh, uh, so one of the popular way to do a liquid stake is to auto compound every let's say 24 hours so whatever uh, staking rewards you're getting if you're getting it in the same denomination that for staked atom you're getting atom you can have it auto compounded but if you are not getting the same asset you first have to convert that back into the base asset to make it auto compounded so maybe i think a ux would be somewhere in the middle where some users might choose to keep the different assets the way they are some people might choose to automatically convert them to atom and also auto compound so that's like one way i see nice awesome and i believe mikhil you are the last person to be asked Uh, yeah, but uh, that's a good question actually, and we've been thinking about this uh, particular. And actually, it's it's quite an interesting problem to think of because it creates a, a very vicious loop to a certain extent. And again, you know, uh, I have a very different perspective to interchange security to to what others might have. I, I think first of all, interchange security. The idea is great. You know, I, I do agree with Vishal that. you know i think v3 is is more of a state where you would want to be onboarded as a consumer chain much more than than being onboarded as a as a, as a v1 in the v1 implementation but if you think about this let's say liquid staking providers decide to distribute rewards uh, interchange security rewards by just swapping those assets out and maybe giving the users either atom or their own token or whatever it is right what might happen like like wish highlighted it'll create a, a negative price loop for the assets uh basically that are consumer chain assets now that really affects uh, you know the i mean there's no value to holding that token anybody would rather hold atom than hold the other token apart from the fact that okay you can use that asset in governance but i also believe that governance in the future might look like specifically for LSDs or LSD providers, it might look like a dual token structure, and I think there was a big discussion on on uh, on Lido, uh, Lido's forum about this, where you know they could use STETH as uh, as a token for voting as well, apart from just using LDO. I think that may happen in the future, but in a situation where uh, you know if you're a liquid stake LSD provider uh, and you're a consumer chain as well. there is a very good chance that your asset is going to get get dumped all the time because of of the way those rewards are being distributed to to you know uh stakers who use who use these lsd services or, or platforms so it it does create that negative cycle uh i'm not sure if it's the best thing or the worst thing but uh, i do believe that ideally in the most simplistic form users should just be able to receive those assets as rewards and be able to bet on them long bet on those assets long term as you know because that's the plan for onboarding these chains as consumer chains as well because stakers of atom should benefit not just by dumping those assets but also by holding those assets for a longer term perspective and you know being able to bet on those assets and and the products chains itself uh but from from our perspective we'll just keep it very simple uh in, in the beginning and then see how it goes uh interchain security we are very keen to look into it we've been digging into it but don't want to make a decision at this stage without knowing a lot of things uh especially on the economic side and economic implications of of you know uh, interchain security N- not the security economic implications but more on the token side of things interesting interesting 
I want to dwell a bit on the security guys, and uh, especially these days where there's a big discussion going on in Ethereum um, about liquid staking protocols being able to sanction almost uh, depositors' wallets that we know are malicious or have obtained funds from hacking or whatever. So there's, I can't remember the hacker, but in Ethereum right now, there's this notorious hacker that accumulated a shit ton of ETH. And now this hacker is moving the funds to uh, Lido, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, basically liquid staking protocol and using that uh, to uh, to leverage or to borrow against the liquid staked assets uh, in some protocol. I can't even remember. And there's discussions right now if Lido should be able to sanction that wallet, basically not permit the or, or freeze the funds that uh, this hacker is depositing into the Lido protocol, the Lido uh, contract. Is that something that you guys have been looking into? Is that something that uh, is possible even uh, from a smart contract perspective or from a protocol perspective and on your side? What do you think about this, basically? And I'll start with uh, you, Mikil. Well, it's actually quite a, uh, it's actually a very interesting uh, topic. I, I I haven't quite I personally haven't looked into what's happening there, but uh, I do have some insights into this. I believe it's about uh, to a certain extent it's how custodial versus non-custodial the platform is. For example, like and and being brutally honest, right on the BNB side, any liquid staking provider that you see today is semi-custodial to a certain extent because you have you know the BNB chain, the Beacon chain where staking happens, and, the, and then you have the you know uh, BSC chain, which is just the smart contract chain, and users deposit their assets on one chain, which are then moved to the other chain using some sort of a relay, relayer or a centralized semi-centralized bridge. Uh, if that is not the case, which is not the case in the Cosmos ecosystem right now, all the liquid staking providers that you see out there today are fully decentralized, uh, or you know not fully decentralized, but they don't have those trust, uh, you know, elements wherein you have, to, there's no custody as such. Obviously, you can go through governance and governance can decide like something like what happened on Juno, for example, is a good, I think, is a good way to look at it. That is always a possibility. But I don't think like anybody would do this. I don't think Lido LDO holders would ever want to do something like this because it just creates a very, very bad image for them to you know, just go forward with anything like this. But yeah, it's a possibility in, in situations where there is some uh, custodial element, but in the absence of that, I don't think this being possible or, or even like an idea that would be, that, that others would like. Makes sense. And speaking of Juno, I want to pass on the mic to Stake Easy. What do you think? Is that possible? Is it possible to sanction wallets basically that wants to interact with your protocol? I mean, it has been done by Circular Exchanges a lot to stop hackers. Like Binance has been doing it a lot, which is a good thing if it's a hacker. But the whole point of decentralization is that it it does not restrict people. But yeah, that governance element I think uh, could be done. But like it depends on how it's implemented. And even that Prop 16 thing was really political, and there were people on both sides. So you can't really say if the decision was correct or not. It depends on like from where you're coming from and what your view is. But if it's something that like, okay, someone has obtained the funds maliciously, then maybe yes, there should be a certain solution for that. But again, that defeats the purpose of decentralization. Yeah. 
and that's the whole discussion, right? That uh, it, it's definitely uh, defeating the whole purpose of custodial versus non-custodial and decentralization versus centralization of storage of keys, basically. But yeah, it's a it's a bit of a gray area because obviously we don't want a malicious actor to just scoop up a heck of a lot of, let's say, atom and uh, control a big uh, part of the network or where the network is heading, at least. But yeah, I guess the uh, same question for you, Vishal. Uh, yeah, I uh, uh, also kind of mirror the same sentiment where I, I don't know if this is this, all this has been done before. I think it's um, a little bit unclear if we should uh, take liquid seeking providers as like the uh, kind of ethicist of, of the cosmos. Um, but also, uh, and it's very possible I'm misunderstanding something here, but I think technically this is a little bit hard to do because if you, let's say, for example, uh, you blacklist one address, the hacker could easily uh, kind of split their funds into 100 new addresses or cycle them like 10 or 20 times and then liquid stake. Um, and I think because the, the way the blacklist works is through governance, um, you can only update these lists very slowly. Like you have to wait a full vote period. So I think practically it, it is quite hard for liquid seeking providers to do this. And, and I don't even know if um, that, that is the direction you want to go as a community is to have liquid seeking providers be the, uh, the arbiters of truth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I 100% agree, and we don't want to go down the path where we uh, sanction all uh, uh, the wallets that have interacted with uh, Tornado Cash or received uh, funds from Tornado Cash. Uh, I mean, that's that's just really bad implementation, <laughs> right there. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as uh, liquid staking protocols grow in importance and uh, traction, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, these kind of questions I think will pop up. Um, and we will be faced with a choice: uh, how do we, how do we uh, approach, how do we solve this, or combat this, or deal with this in the first place? But yeah, Vish, I guess uh, you are the last person for this question. Yeah, I think you know, as like Vishal was saying, like blacklisting accounts might be quite difficult. Uh, and again, I'm, I haven't exactly followed like this Ethereum uh, or SCE issue, but I think if there was like some exploit or some instance where like assets were being like ill-gotten gains were being funneled out through a liquid staking chain in any way. I think, you know, that's why we have validators. If there is an emergency upgrade required, it can be done. Uh, and obviously it's not being done by one entity, right? It, it requires the coordination of hundreds uh, mm. technically of, yeah. of entities, which is still uh, a, decentralized way of responding to emergency situations because emergency situations often lead to a centralized response, but you know, we can do it. And again, if it's a situation that can be solved by governance, like some sort of like maybe locking certain assets through governance or something along those lines, I think, I think if governance and validators pull it off uh, and if it's needed to prevent a major attack or like a like siphoning of hacked funds, I think it's fine. Awesome. Guys, you have been uh, super generous with your time. Uh, so I want to leave you with the last question. And by the way, uh, for anyone who has a burning question, you can uh, put in a comment um, in, the, in the space notes or uh, in the tweet below. Um, but I've sort of mixed in all the questions that I asked uh, during uh, the panel discussion already uh, from the community 
So it's a bit of a mix of uh, questions from the club and questions from the community. But the last question that I want to ask uh, from my side, at least, is um, is there anything uh, that you uh, are eager to sort of uh, see in Cosmos? Is there something that you are super like find super interesting these days that not many people are paying too much attention to? Like, is there something, yeah, on your chest that you want to get off uh, now that we are all together here with uh, all the other liquid staking protocols? And I guess I'll I'll start with you, uh, Vish, uh, this time. Yeah, I think uh, you know, for me, like at the top of my head, I think LSM is something I'm very very excited about. I've been uh, you know messing with that for a long time. I think the design space it opens up, you know, between liquid staking providers and even like potentially beyond liquid staking, right? The amount of things you can do with delegation shares is like actually insane, and that whole design space that will open up something I'm very excited about. You know, I think if you've heard me talking through this, you could tell that I've brought up the LSM multiple times. Uh, but yeah, definitely looking forward to that with Cosmos. And why just maybe you put, put a bit more words into it. Like, why is it so interesting to you? I, I think we can all agree it's pretty damn exciting. But uh, yeah, why do you spend hours and hours on this? Yeah, I think because it like provides like a new sort of primitive that doesn't, or that hasn't existed as far as I'm aware in any other ecosystem before, which is you have like a non-fungible representation of your state asset, right? Which you could trade, which you could leverage, which you could use in a liquid staking protocol. And it also creates this like very new dynamic for liquid staking protocols, which has never existed before, right? So, you know, Cosmos could be one of those first ecosystems where liquid staking providers have to like work together uh, you know, to sort of track this, this like delegation share movement, uh, to sort of facilitate DeFi on these delegation shares. Uh, so yeah, I think the fact that it's like very new, uh, a very new type of primitive uh, provides a lot of like possibilities. There's like a lot, lots of products you can build on top of it, uh, which is exciting. Definitely. Great. Same question for you, uh, Stake Easy. I think the in terms of UX is something I'm looking forward to. For example, in Ethereum, you have 10 different version of BTC, 10 different version of ETH based on, on which protocol it's going to cost. Right? So that kind of creates this confusion to, let's say, a new user who doesn't know what the different versions of BTC are. But there should be like a different way of doing it that any user who wants to understand these things can maybe easily understand it. And maybe these things can be abstracted away in the UX level that you can understand, okay, this is Atom or this is some certain version of Atom that what it does uh, can be simplified on the, let's say, uh, you interact on DEXs where like you interact with the liquid state assets. You can understand there itself that what this asset is. You don't have to go to the protocol itself to understand it. Like for example, on centralized exchanges, you have uh, this passive yield opportunities where like they just tell you, okay, this is going to be the local period and this is going to be the yield you'll get. And that's the only thing a user wants to make sure of. And other thing is that it's secure. So yeah, in terms of UX, I think this definitely should be pushed for DeFi is to make it up to a certain level that any user who's using these passive yield opportunities, whether it's through any other DeFi opportunity or through liquid staking is, uh, simple enough that any non-technical user who is maybe familiar with centralized exchanges 
can have the same experience as that so i think that's something i look forward to having it resolved within the next couple of years right on and same question for you vishal yeah so again to like what everyone said these are all super cool in my mind the thing i'm i'm really looking forward to is um we we're seeing a whole suite of kind of big applications moving to cosmos uh the noble chain with uh um usdc is one example but also dydx moving over i think jump is moving a costing solution to a chain um this is just a, a huge kind of uh, validation of the cosmos thesis that as applications get bigger they want their own uh sovereign sovereignty and their own chain um and i think it'll bring tons of users having aws dc having people from dydx coming over um you know it, it's a ton of name value to the space and i think that's really what's going to start jumping jump starting cosmos to, to be the the next kind of uh really huge ecosystem um and then a, a smaller thing i'm still excited about but I, I think it's cool is the ux i think is really getting better and we're seeing things like ibc middleware um that we don't have to get the technical parts of it but i think uh the experience of cosmos is a little bit um i think worse than other ecosystems right now because you do have to bridge constantly so you have to like withdraw assets um but as we see ibc get better and better i think a lot of these things can become one click to the user and so they feel uh much more seamless there's instead of like five or 10 things you do to move between applications everything can become one click and i think that's going to happen this year definitely and we start seeing all these different dexs uh, mms of course and uh, lending lending and borrowing markets who basically support various different chains uh, both ibc enabled chains and also non ibc enabled chains uh, mx um is an example of that which we have on actually tomorrow um, but there's many more out there, so uh, that will certainly uh, help uh, from a user perspective, uh, user experience perspective, uh, to move between chains uh, without them even knowing, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Uh, same question for you. Uh, who am I missing? Mikil, I believe. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I think two things I would say, uh, and and you know, one of them is. actually based on on what wish said around liquid staking uh, module i i think i'm super excited about that but to be more specific i i believe uh i'm most excited about you know seeing lsd's replace base assets and then you have like you know defi for lsd so that lsd's can actually completely replace base assets not completely but you know i i believe in a future where uh we will actually be using lsds more than more than the native assets themselves unless unless truly required and that future is obviously a little far away but i do believe that's possible and for that to happen you obviously need to have the defi infrastructure to support lsds in, in a way where it really really makes makes things really capital efficient so uh, to that end i would also say like you know i think defi applications are going to Uh, we will see a lot of applications that will use lsds as as the base assets and that's how it all begins like we are already seeing dexter which is i think expected to go live somewhere in feb on the persistence chain uh, you know with a stable swap followed by other mechanisms and then we have bamboo on the persistence chain that will go live end of the quarter early next quarter and then there are other like vaults that you are seeing you know quasar and all those coming live uh, go- going to go live soon you know umi is super focused on onboarding lending uh with, with you know lsds as collateral you see crescent moving in that direction yeah. and and has been doing so for a while so i think it's it's super clear and if you just connect the dots you can see where we are headed and that future is where lsds truly replace the base assets as as the most used 
assets. Agreed. Do you have a prediction, Mikil, on when uh, we will see liquid staked uh, derivatives um, over or flip um, the native liquid? I guess the native assets that are liquid. I think by twenty twenty five, it's it's going to happen. I think twenty three is not yes. going to be. It's all. It's the year of building, but twenty four and twenty five is the year of traction and and making sure that that happens. Yeah, and obviously it depends on the entire ecosystem, like how how much of these uh, different apps and ecosystem uh, app chains, etc., will support the data assets in their products. So uh, yeah, multiple different factors uh, play in there. Which is exactly why you know security and governance sort of issues need to be resolved first, which is where we are headed, right? So it's perfect in that sense. <laughs> Definitely, guys, you have been fantastic. And uh, what I really enjoy about panels like this is that at no point in time have I sensed any infighting or people throwing shit at each other or whatever you feel and see in other ecosystems. I have certainly seen that in other ecosystems. This is something that I think makes Cosmos unique. And with uh, something like LSM that you have mentioned a few times now, Vish, uh, thank you for that. Um, I think it is more important than ever, really, that Cosmos liquid staked uh, protocols, they uh, come together and uh, work, uh, join forces and work uh, more in collaboration than, than fighting each other. So thank you so much for that, guys. Uh, I think that's a huge shout out to, to all of you and your teams, really. Well, this. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I think we each other, so it's, it's all good. So, sorry about that. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, for anyone who wants to uh, listen or re-listen, we uh, post this on uh, Spotify and all the other platforms. So uh, we'll do that typically the day after. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for the questions uh, from the community. And thank you for the panelists for joining and uh, being so generous with your time. The cosmos is expanding and we are on our way. So thank you for that, guys. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. Take care, guys.